Good morning. Today is Sunday, the 31st of July, 2016. There's a Raggedy Ann doll that's possessed and locked in a box and kept on a shelf in a museum. It's a doll that's responsible for at least one death, so says Ed and Lorraine Warren. Should we believe this tale of the supernatural? Find out on the 99th episode of Sunday Morning Coffee with Jeff. time for coffee and I am your host and storyteller Jeff Kelly. How is everybody today? Well in one week we announced the winner of the Coffee with Jeff mug contest and it's still not too late to get your name into the drawing. For your chance to win send me an email at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com and say I want to win a damn mug. We will pick the winner on my 100th show which is next week. And yes, you can use Facebook and Twitter to enter, if that's more to your liking. So this week I was working on an entirely different story, and the more I began to get into it, the more I realized I need more time to to do this one. There's a large part of the story I just really need to understand correctly if I'm going to do it any justice. So I'm not going to do that story, I'll do it sometime in the future. The problem was, this was late in the week and and it left me without a story. But then I remembered, I always wanted to do a story about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now I want to admit this right away, and and it's that I believe, and this is just my opinion, that the Warrens were nothing but a couple of frauds. Ed is now dead, but Lorraine is alive and kicking at the age of 89, and I heard she's still pretty feisty. I also heard that Ed and Lorraine never found a house that wasn't haunted. Maybe that's not true, but on today's show, we will... Yep, it's time for UFO news. The headline of the Open Minds website reads, Triangle UFO videotaped low over Virginia. Now, there isn't really anything to tell about this one. Somebody at night videotaped four lights in the sky that appeared to be a triangle shape. And it's probably just some drone or something like that, but what amused me was the voices on the recording, and let's hear that now. Yes. What is that? It's an airplane. Is it? It's going over us real fast. Is it? What is it? Looks like a drone. It's round looking. What is it? It don't look like no damn airplane. I just looked at it. What do you think it is? <laughs> No, I also like how they have a tag at the beginning of the video that reads Mutual UFO Network Case 77904 Charlottesville, Virginia 8.55 p.m. July 24th, 2016 It makes it look so official looking But I shouldn't laugh I mean, they're at least they're trying to conduct themselves scientifically And then the next screen says, Please be cautious with all UFO videos until the final case investigation is completed. Most UFO reports are determined to be something natural or man-made. 
Hey, guess what? There may be hope for us all. But now, it's story time. This podcast is part of the PsyCon Network. You can support this podcast and others like it by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com forward slash PsyCon. That's C-S-I-C-O-N. A link can be found on the Coffee with Jeff website. Just a dollar or two is all it takes to keep these podcasts going. Thank you for your support. All right, it's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the doors just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little peace each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. In 2014, a film was released called Annabelle, a prequel to the film The Conjuring. In the film, the animal doll is a creepy-looking vintage porcelain doll that causes all kinds of mischief. In reality, the actual doll in the true story that the doll is based on is actually a normal-looking Raggedy Ann doll. I say the doll that is featured in the film was based on, but not the film itself. The main characters of John and Maya are fictional characters created for the film. In fact, the whole film is a work of fiction, an imaginary tale of how this Annabelle might have become haunted. But yes, there was a doll called Annabelle, and they say it was possessed. And by they, I mean Ed and Lorraine Warren. Do you know Ed and Lorraine? They were involved with the Amityville Horror, which is about a family who moves into a haunted house. And then they were involved with The Haunting in Connecticut, about a family who moves into a haunted house. And then The Conjuring, which is about a a family that moves into a haunted house. Okay, to be fair, the Warrens have investigated many supernatural occurrences. And I only count four that are based on haunted houses, so whatever. Most of the accounts of the Warrens' investigations that have been turned into books have both the Warrens and the people involved's cooperation. But the story I'm going to talk about today is the one of the doll called Annabelle, which, like I said, is the story of a possessed doll. And there's no book based on the story, nor can I find any other accounts or articles about what happened, unless they do what I'm going to do today, and that's paraphrase the Warrens' account of what happened. So first, I'm going to tell you the story of Annabelle to the best of my understanding, and then we'll talk a little bit about Ed and Lorraine. The story begins in 1970 when a mother bought an antique Raggedy Ann doll as a present for her daughter Donna. Donna was about to become a nurse. Donna shared an apartment with Angie, who was also a nurse. Soon the ladies began to notice the doll wouldn't be in the same position they left it in, and soon they noticed it was moving around from room to room. There were times when Donna would place the doll on the couch, only to find it on the bed when she returned home. And then Donna began finding notes written on parchment paper, paper that wasn't in the apartment, with handwriting of a small child that said things like, Help us and help Lou. The roommates had no idea where the paper came from. It was when Donna noticed blood, or what appeared to be blood, on the doll's hands and chest that she decided it was time to get some help. They found a medium who conducted a seance. It appeared that the spirit that inhabited the Raggedy Ann doll was Annabelle Higgins, a young girl that lived in the same area 
before the apartments were built there. When she would have been seven years old, Annabelle's body was found right where the apartment is now. The spirit said she felt a sense of comfort with Donna and Angie and needed to be loved, so the compassionate ladies gave Annabelle Higgins permission to stay in the doll. What a nice thing to do. Now they had a friend named Lou, and Lou didn't like the doll. Even with the explanation from the medium, Lou still had a problem with it. One night, Lou was having a bad dream, and when he woke up, he found the doll climbing up his legs to his chest, and then it began strangling him. He was awake but found that he couldn't move, like he was paralyzed. The doll choked him until he passed out. The next morning, he awoke, not knowing if he had been dreaming this or not. One day, when Donna wasn't home, Lou and Angie were planning a road trip together when they heard sounds coming from Donna's room. They waited until the noise stopped, and then Lou entered the room, but found nothing out of the ordinary. Suddenly, he had the feeling that somebody was behind him, so he spun around, but no one was there. Suddenly, he felt pain and grabbed his chest, tumbling over onto the ground. He was cut and bleeding with seven claw marks on his chest, three vertically and four horizontally. What's amazing about this was within two days, the cuts had healed, and there were no visible signs that they had ever been there. Donna was starting to believe that whatever was in this doll wasn't an innocent child. It just pretended to be. It was something inhuman and demonic in nature, so she called an Episcopal priest, and he contacted a higher authority in the church who put them in touch with Ed and Lorraine Warren, America's premier experts on the subject of spirits and demiology. The Warrens quickly realized this was not a human spirit inhabiting the doll, as human spirits don't possess inanimate objects like dolls. But this, and this is something I didn't know, an inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or an object such as a Raggedy Ann doll. And it didn't want to stay in the doll. It would be looking for a human host. It was all the evil spirit's master plan. To use teleportation to get a little recognition, hoping the humans would make the mistake of calling in a medium, giving it a way to communicate with the emotional, vulnerable young ladies, to convince them that it was harmless. The Warrens had to do something quickly because the next stage of the infestation would have been complete human possession, and that might happen within two or three weeks. Then it might kill one or all of those in the apartment. There's only one thing that can be done in a case like this, and that's to have a good old exorcism, to cleanse the apartment, and that was performed by Father Cook. Once this was done, Donna asked the Warrens to take the doll with them, which they were kind enough to do. Ed placed the doll in the backseat of the car and avoided the interstate highway just in case the inhuman spirit was still inside the doll. I mean, better safe than sorry, you know. And you know what? The doll took over the car as they drove. The car swerved and stalled, and the power steerings and brakes failed at times. They feared they were going to collide with another car, so Ed grabbed his vial of holy water, dousing the doll and making the signs of a cross over it. And after that, he was able to drive home safely. Let that be a lesson to all of us. Always carry a vial of holy water. But this doll didn't know when to quit. Ed put it in a chair and it began to levitate. And over the next few weeks, it began appearing in various rooms of the house. Even when they locked the thing in the outer office building, they would later find it in Ed's easy chair. 
and the Dow seemed to have a real problem with clergymen who would visit the Warrens' house now and again. Father Jason Bradford, a Catholic exorcist, came to the house and said the wrong thing to the Dow, and on the way home, his car brakes failed as he was entering a busy intersection. It was a near-fatal accident that destroyed his vehicle. Quite a few things like that happened over the next few years. So what the Warrens did was build a special case for Annabelle, which looks to me from the images I've seen to be a, some sort of a wooden box with a glass front and a cross over the top. And because of this case, and I don't know really why this is, Annabelle no longer appears to move about the house. Yet even with the case, it is believed that the doll did cause one death. A young man who arrived with his girlfriend on a motorcycle banged on the glass and asked to be scratched like the doll had done to Lou. Well, Ed kicked him out, but on his way home, he lost control of the bike and was instantly killed, and his girlfriend was hospitalized for over a year. Ed will warn you not to challenge evil because no man is more powerful than Satan. I would add that if you can't challenge evil, at least you can contain it in a box, it would seem. And to show how seriously the Warrens take this, they have a sign that reads, Warning, positively do not open underneath the box. And if you want to see it for yourself, the doll and the box, you can go to the Warrens Occult Museum. I'm not sure the cost of the museum tour, but I would guess that it's not cheap. You can also buy a video tour, and that's available on the Warren's website. Now, like I said, the story I just told about Annabelle and the Warrens and all the rest was taken off the Warren's website. If you want to read their actual account, I will have a link to it on the Psycon's Coffee with Jeff page. Now, here's the thing I find weird about this one. The Warren's account of what happened is the only account I can find of these events. All their other paranormal stories, I can find more information, interviews with the people that were involved, but not with this one. This story is only available, as far as I can tell, on their website. I mean, you would think that Donna, Angie, or Lou would have written a book or something. Who's involved with a haunting that doesn't want to capitalize on it? It's not like the Amityville Horror and the other hauntings the Warrens were involved in. The families didn't cash in and make some money from the book or film rights. What's wrong with this one? And what happened to the mom who bought the doll? I mean, seriously, if my mom bought me a possessed doll, I'm going to give her a call and say, Mom, you know this Raggedy Ann doll you gave me? It's really messed up. Get over here and help me with this thing. And how does this box the dolls kept in work? If it can teleport around and, and cause motorcycles to go off the road, why is it still stuck in a box? But I can't disprove this story. There's only the Warren's word for it, and, and even if I said it wasn't true, it would just be my word against theirs, and I have no evidence. So the thing is, I can't tell you this story is a hoax, no matter how much I believe it. But I can tell you a little bit about what others have said about Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Warrens are good at telling ghost stories, said Dr. Stephen Novella, clinical neurologist and assistant professor at Yale University School of Medicine, host of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, president of the New England Skeptical Society, 
and a man who has met the Warrens at least twice. He says, You can do a lot of movies based on the stories they spun, but there are no reasons to believe that there are any legitimacy to them. If you've heard my story about the Amityville Horror on a previous Coffee with Jeff episode, you know that I, like many, believe that it has basically been proven that the story was a hoax. And I won't go into that. So let's talk about The Haunting in Connecticut, another one of their books that was made into a movie. The Warrens were called in to help the Stedecker family. I hope I pronounced that right. And it happened in 1986. They apparently were living in a haunted house that used to be a mortuary, and the evil spirits were sexually assaulting a few of the family members. The Warrens called a man named Ray Garton, a writer of horror fiction, to co-write the book of the events. According to Ray, and he said this many times over the years since the book was published, that after interviewing various members of the family, he realized their story just didn't make any sense. The stories just didn't gel. So he told Ed Warren that he felt something was wrong, and Ed told him, Oh, they're crazy. Everybody who comes to us is crazy. Otherwise, they wouldn't come to us. You've got some of the story. Just use what works and make the rest up. And make it scary. You write scary books, right? That's why we hired you. Just make it up and make it scary. On the Irreligiosity podcast, Ray said... Every book the Warrens do has anal rape in it because until the mid-1970s, they were doing ghost stories. All the stories were about ghosts and why ghosts were haunting in particular places and what happened that held the spirits there. And then The Exorcist came out and was a huge hit. It was just phenomenal. And they noticed that. So suddenly, all their ghost stories became demons and everything they investigated was demonic. And the demons were always bending people over the kitchen sink and having anal sex with them. And this, of course, makes one wonder about the Warrens because there was no anal sex in The Exorcist. They came up with this on their own and put it into every story. Now, I don't want to fill this whole podcast with nasty, horrible things about the Warrens. You can find a lot of people who have dealt with them that don't have kind things to say about them. And they've mentioned that Ed possibly had an angry temper and was known to threaten people who disagreed with them. And these are people that I respect, so I have to assume it's true. But, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And I'm sure if, if one looked, he or she could find people that praise the Warrens, who think they did a good job, who, who think they were sincere and do have powers to detect ghosts or whatever they're supposed to do. It's all a matter of opinion. For my own taste, I would just say that there is a lot of evidence otherwise that I tend to believe in. But if you want to read what Dr. Stephen Novella had to say about his experiences with the couple and some of the research he has done examining some of their evidence of the paranormal, I will have a, have a link to his blog post in the show notes for this episode. Now here's the thing, we can't say for certain that just because some of their other ghost stories appear to be a hoax, or maybe just highly exaggerated, that that means the story of Annabelle, the possessed Raggedy Ann doll, isn't true. In fact, I can't really say that we know for 100% that Ed and Lorraine are frauds. Maybe they're on the level and we've just been fooled by some large anti-ghost coalition 
who are on a quest to discredit those in the ghost hunting community for purposes unknown. That may be true, and how could I prove otherwise? The thing is, if you like a good ghost story, go see The Conjuring or Annabelle. And if it begins with, based on a true story, well, just take that with a grain of salt. Oh, and one last detail. The family that The Conjuring was based on claims to this day that all the events in the book were real. As for Annabelle, I can't say for sure because I can't find anything about the people that were supposedly involved in the story. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Tony Sparrow. Welcome to another edition of Seekers of the Supernatural with your hosts, Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren. What do you do when you see a ghost? If you're, say, a Christian, you're lying in bed and uh, something wakes you up and you look out into the darkness and you see a ghostly figure there, a woman, a man, whatever it might be, uh, you simply make the sign of the cross in the direction that you're looking at it and you would say, in the name of God, is there something that I can help you with? If it's an evil spirit, it will disappear immediately. If it's a positive one, say it's a, a relative or some spirit that's just been drawn to you, then you might get some com communication. But I think it's important, um, Tony, to realize, or for our viewers to realize, the majority of the cases that are brought to our attention, they will tell us the woman of the house. Remember that women are more sensitive, so women Lorraine, perceive things. Lorraine, I have to correct things. you. They're not patients. They're clients. If they're patients, they'd be in a mental institution. <laughs> what, what patients? You said patients, didn't you? No. Has anybody got a match? Thanks. Now I can light an old gold and listen to the sad sack. When I first thought about doing the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, I thought about doing a straight biography, but... That actually proved difficult as I couldn't find any information about the couple that happened before the Amityville Horror. I know there's a few books on the couple, but um, I really wasn't uh, about to buy a book on Ed and Lorraine. So, uh, and there was nothing at our local library or on the internet. Then I was looking around on their website and they came across the story of Annabelle, the doll, and I thought, great, I'll do that. I'll use the Warren's account of the story as a start and then add more information from other sources like interviews with people involved and others who have investigated the case and include possible other more earthly explanations to what happened. The problem, as I stated during the story, is I just couldn't find anything else. That wasn't basically paraphrasing what the Warrens already said. So when I finished, I had a very short story, and I might have just saved that till a later date when I could locate other information, but I already put one story on hold, so I figured I would go with it. So then I decided to add some other information about the Warrens, including my personal feelings. Oh, and I found a site that had a price for those that want to visit the Warrens Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. According to the site TravelPlus.com, it cost $169 for a visit and must be arranged in advance. I searched and searched and didn't find one review of what people thought about the museum. I did find one person on Yelp who was very angry that he emailed the website and never heard back. And wasn't about to travel all the way there just to find out he couldn't go into the museum. 
But if you watch, you can find a few YouTube videos that people have shot while taking the tour. And by watching those videos, you'll save a little money because I know I wouldn't pay $169 to uh, visit the Warren's Occult Museum. We at Psycon could use your help in keeping our podcast going. You should think about becoming a sponsor at our Patreon page. Just go to Psycon.fm for more information. That's C-S-I-C-O-N.fm. And of course, a sincere thank you to all those that already support the show. Speaking of Psycon, why not go over to our website and check out a few of our other shows? You'll find an amazing amount of geek culture. Hey, do you need a daily dose of geek news? I'm sure you do. Check out Geek Days, which brings you the latest geek news from around the world. And you just might hear a familiar voice on the show. You can check out this show and other ones at Psycon.fm. You know, you can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. If you just want to complain, just say hi or, or whatever. I always answer every email and I really appreciate getting them. You can follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Coffee with Jeff, all one word, and I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. Your story ideas are always welcome. If you want to support the show but you don't have the coin, then just go over to iTunes and leave a review. Those reviews really help. And remember, links to all the sources I use to write today's story can be found at Psycon's Coffee with Jeff page. I'd like to thank Brecky Tomlinson for having this podcast on the Psycon Network, to my wife of 32 years for being my wife of 32 years, David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo, Kelly Rickert for writing and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme, and to all of you who listen to the show every week, thank you so much. And of course, a special shout out to all those that repost this on Facebook and Twitter. You will always have a special place in my heart. Until next week, until the 100th episode of Coffee with Jeff, thank you so much for listening. Yeah.